0: To the Past and Present podcast. This is Kim Groves. Hoping you had a lovely weekend. Uh, Today uh, we will be discussing, continuing our discussion that is on the Sermon on the Mount and discussing what Jesus discusses about Jesus and the law in Matthew chapter five, verses seventeen through nineteen. I also hope you had a chance to access the article, the uh, Doctor Wood Woods rebuttal to Bienkowski on the dating of the destruction of, of Jericho, and uh, I hope you'll join us on Thursday for our discussion on the winter palaces at Jericho. So today, as I said, we're going to continue our discussion on the Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to t- talk about Jesus and the law, and the law being capital T, capital L. And we're going to be referencing Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 19. And I'm going to go ahead and take a moment and just read you these uh, uh, three verses as they appear. So I was turned there, but I closed my Bible here. And remember, I am using the 1599 Geneva Bible, Patriots edition. Again, it can be found on Amazon. Um... So I'm going to look at Matthew chapter 5, verses 17 through 19, starting with verse 17. Think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say unto you, till heaven and earth perish, one jot or one tittle of the law shall not escape till all things be fulfilled. Verse 19, Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments and teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall observe and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So let's let's take this apart. Let's unpack this a little bit. And he's, uh, Jesus has already described the citizens of the kingdom. And now he proceeds to describe the righteousness of the kingdom, which is the bulk of of the Sermon on the Mount. So he begins by correcting a, a sort of false impression that has been created, that has been perpetuated regarding his relationship with the law of Moses and the prophets. And he says right off the break, I did not come to destroy but to fulfill. So he didn't come to to do away with the old law. He came to actually fulfill it. Now if you if you've managed to muddle your way through the books of the law um, of the Bible, which is uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, and numbers, um, and I don't really count genesis in that but you can put parts of genesis into that category um if you've managed to to cook your way through those books and if you have more power to you because i've done it probably once maybe twice and that's generally where i will give up in trying to read so i have to break those books of the law up i can't read them all together because they're very repetitive they're very boring and You you can only read the same thing so many times before you say, okay, I get it. So some people may have thought Jesus intended to totally disregard the law. And when I'm talking about the law, I'm talking about things regarding ritual sacrifice, regarding uh, religious observations, regarding the nature of man's relationship with God. His coming, they they may have thought that his coming and his teaching would regard the old law in a negative light. Well, this is actually exactly the opposite. Because the expression to destroy means literally to destroy utterly, to overthrow completely. So when you hear the word destroy, you're talking about taking it apart, getting rid of it, um, taking it, uh, just overthrowing it. Now, on the contrary, his actual purpose was to fulfill the law because the law was incomplete because God knew when God presented the law to Moses on, um, Mount Sinai, he, he, the people were not ready for a savior. They needed something very concrete, very, Ritual-based in order to be compliant. Okay. And there are some theories that say, because Moses, remember, did destroy a set of tablets and then returned to Mount Sinai to to get new tablets. Many are saying that there were two different laws written on these two tablets. The first set actually contained the law for the Savior. But when Moses came Saw the disobedience of the people in worshiping the golden calf and was driven to destroy the tablets. God said, The people, these people, are not ready for this law. We're going to give them a more ritualistic law to follow. So, uh, the law and the prophets, because Jesus very clearly includes prophets. The prophets actually foretold the coming of the Messiah. And Isaiah is, is very replete with references to the Messiah. But in, um, <clears throat> for example, because God, or I'm sorry, Jesus was a perfect sacrifice. He was unblemished. He was sinless. Okay. He, he walked the earth as a mortal man, sinless. He And he was unblemished, which is what was required of a ritual sacrifice under Jewish law was the the lamb had to be without blemish, without mark, without defect. Now, there are approximately 330 prophecies concerning Christ found in the law and the prophets. For example, in Deuteronomy chapter 18, uh, verses 15, 18 through 19, they talk. It talks about raising up a prophet, and in Isaiah fifty-three, um, they talk. It talks about uh, a prophet would be root out of dry ground, despised of men, would be would would bear our infirmities and would be wounded for our transgressions. <clears throat> in Daniel two, chapter two, verse forty-four, it foretells the coming of the kingdom of God. So it says, the God of heaven set up a kingdom, okay? Uh, Jesus was preaching the fulfillment of that prophecy was now at hand. In Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 15, Jesus has begun his ministry, and he says the kingdom of God is at hand. So he says very clearly, I'm here, I'm the fulfillment of this prophecy that you've heard about, and Jesus actually quotes parts of Isaiah and the people are too blinded to realize he says, I am the law. And the people are too blinded to realize that Jesus is the promised prophet, Messiah, Christ that has come to fulfill the law. In Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34, there is a new talk of a new covenant. That the law would be placed on their on our inward parts inside our hearts. The law would be in us. This is clearly a reference to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, that will indwell within us to imprint that law on us when Christ has returned. In Hebrews chapter eight verses six through thirteen, there is the mediator of a better testament, and that we needed the second testament because the First Testament was flawed, because the First Testament focused on earthly ritual instead of spiritual awakening, spiritual ritual. So therefore, until the law and the prophets were fulfilled, Jesus taught that the law was, would, be, would be as permanent as the heavens and the earth. And this was only until his coming. His coming fulfilled this law, which basically said now that I'm here, we don't need this ritual sacrifice. We don't need to bring unblemished uh, calves or unblemished sheep or uh, bird offerings or food offerings or drink offerings. We don't need these ritual burnt offerings any longer because I'm here. I'm the perfect offering. I'm the perfect sacrifice. I'm here to atone for all of that. You no longer need to do this so he said in luke chapter 16 verse 17 it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one tittle of the law fail um and so he says there's not going to be any change at all until this law is fulfilled so and and several times in these scriptures there's references to jots and tittles so okay quickly what is a jot or a tittle um so These are Hebrew grammatical markings very similar to the dotting of the I or a crossing of the T. So the the little tiny details that make the word a word. So I could write the word it, but if I fail to put that little dot over the I, who knows it could be an L. Um, So the jot and tittle make sure that people understand that I mean the word it and not the word ill, or isle, or something else. Now, a person's treatment of the law, meaning the old law, while it is still in force, would affect their standing in the kingdom. So we have to remember the kingdom has a future aspect. We are reminded that not in uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 21-23, through 23, that not everyone's going to enter the kingdom. And Jesus will not know everyone. People who say, well, I preached in your name and I prophesied in your name. And Jesus will say, get you back. I didn't know you. And so not everyone's going to make it into the kingdom. And people who say, well, I did this in your name, may not make it into the kingdom. Now, those who live before the coming of the kingdom in its present sense, i.e. the church could still be in the kingdom in its future sense. People like Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. So, in other words, you didn't have to have this new law in order to be received into heaven. It would be based on your adherence to whatever law was in force when you were alive. So, and I think that that bears some thing, you know, because... The law in Moses, Abraham, Isaac's time, Jacob's time, uh, Joshua's times, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, was a different law than what you and I live under today as Christians. So are they still going to be in heaven? They obviously lived very holy lives. Are they still going to be in heaven? The answer is yes, they will be in the heaven because they were adherent to the law as it existed when they were alive. Now, uh, for example, when Jesus said that um, what would happen to the sons of the kingdom, those Jews who by the law had the right to inherit the kingdom but did not not appreciate its fulfillment in the coming of Jesus Christ, would not be accepted into the kingdom. So those people who did not recognize that Jesus or accept the fact that Jesus was the the Christ, the fulfillment of the law, the Messiah— they, may, they would not be accepted into heaven because they would continue to live under the old law versus the, the new law that would be fulfilled under Christ. So, um, and this is actually kind of spelled out in Matthew chapter 8, verse 12. So an important question that needs to be asked is, did Jesus fulfill the law? And if he did not fulfill the law, he failed in his purpose in coming to earth. And this is spelled out in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. If he also, if he did not fulfill the law, we had better observe the law in its strictest sense, including Matthew in Matthew chapter 5, verses 18-19, including the circumcision, not eating unclean meats, not wearing mixed fabrics, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So And we know since Jesus was a sinless, perfect sacrifice, a sinless, perfect being, we know he actually did fulfill the law. Okay? So if he did fulfill the law, he accomplished his purpose. It's very clear. So in John uh, chapter 17, verse 4, he says he finished the work he was given. And we should not be surprised to find a new law or a new covenant so if if there is a new law and a new covenant, then Jesus must have fulfilled the old law, for there were changes in the priesthood. He was the priest. He is the high priest above all the priests uh, of the priesthood of Melchizedek, the priesthood of Aaron, um, and he is the law. He is the law itself. The old law is nullified because of the new covenant. So the covenant of Christ's blood negated. The, fulfilled the old law and closed the book on that old law and opened up a new law that we, that we live in under what we consider to be the new Testament. Even as the law itself foretold, it has been replaced again by a new law. Again, Hebrews chapter eight, verses six through 13. Again, the mediator of a, a better Testament, a new law. Um, something where we don't have to go make ritual sacrifices, um, to a priest. We, we come to the high priest ourselves in, in prayer for redemption of our sins and for, uh, to be forgiven. So though Jesus ultimately fulfilled the law and the prophets at the time he was preaching the sermon, they had not been fulfilled. These Law and the prophets uh, had not been fulfilled because Jesus was still living. He had, he had come to do that, but he, at the time of the Sermon on the Mount, he had not yet done it. In other words, from the time of he began his ministry with the Sermon on the Mount, or you can even say with the, uh, the wedding at Cana, he was already telling people, I'm here to die. I'm living in order to die. Um, so he taught his disciples to be faithful to God's law as it stood at that time. Okay. Because until we have the garden of Gethsemane, until we have the atonement, until we have the crucifixion, until we have the resurrection, the old law is still in effect. So everyone needs to be the strictest adherent to that law that is in place. And that is meant the old law we have to understand that just because christ was preaching and teaching and performing miracles the law had not yet been fulfilled it had only been partially fulfilled because christ had come but he had not been and he had not done what he had come to do completely it is only upon the resurrection that we have the fulfillment of the law and the prophets of the Old Testament. And I think that needs to be very, very clear. So now what about contrasts that are found in Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 48? So the nature of the contrasts made by Jesus. So many understand Jesus to contrast the old with the new, i.e. comparing the law of Moses with the law of Christ, which would govern his kingdom. So this is in essence, this in essence has Jesus teaching that the old law only condemned outward actions, but the new law introduced by Jesus condemned inner conditions, which led to outer actions. So in other words, the inward thing that we think we do inside of us that leads us, our inward thought and our outward actions is what Jesus came to condemn. So if I think something bad and I act on that evil thought, that's what Jesus was condemning. Now, some understand the contrast to be different, a contrast between traditional, and, uh, traditional interpretation and application of the law of Moses. And the righteousness of the kingdom of Jesus would require of his disciples. Now, the, that in fact, Jesus demonstrated that the righteousness of the kingdom was not only contrary to the matter, manner Jewish leaders of old interpreted and, and applied the law, but in harmony with the original spirit of the law as given to Moses. So let's unpack that a little bit. So there was a very traditional interpretation and application, so very literal. This is what you did. It became very straightforward. It, it, it was all action, but there was no seeming, we had gotten to the point where there was no inward reflection on the outward action of, of sacrifice. So Jesus is requiring righteousness, internal righteousness to match your external sacrifice so in other words your words your your inner actions and your outer actions had to match and what was what was happening by this point by the time jesus had arrived had come was that people were just going through the motions they were for lack of a better phrase calling it in and they would go give their sacrifice pay their money go on about their day and everything was kosher no pun intended What Jesus demanded of us was that we reflect on the condition that caused us to have to make a sacrifice. So that inner sin that we commit. So Jesus demonstrates that righteousness of the kingdom was contrary to the manner that Jewish leaders of old interpreted and applied the law. So in other words, it it stopped being legalistic. Okay, Jesus is fulfillment of the law, stopped the legalistic behavior that had arisen from the old law. Again, the, 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 the emphasis on the this is and the that's and the, this number of doves and that many sheep and this cow, cow or calf and so forth but Jesus was in harmony with the original spirit of the law and and many times we hear the expression well there's the letter of the law and the spirit of the law the letter of the law says i need to drive 25 miles an hour down my street the spirit of the law says will they pull me over for doing 26 or 27 in a 30 in a, in a 25 zone so again the letter of the law and spirit of the law and and This this was what Jesus came to fulfill because we started becoming more focused on the letters of the law and not the spirit of the law. And the spirit of the law is what made the righteousness of the law. Okay, You just can't exist on the letter. You have to also embrace the spirit. So to go back to my example, the letter of the law says I should go 25 miles an hour down my street The spirit of the law says I should go 25 miles an hour down my street and I will like it whether I do or not. So what do I do when I drive down my street? I go 25 miles an hour. Now, do I occasionally speed? Yes, because I'm not without sin. Have I gotten pulled over on my own street? Absolutely, I have gotten pulled over on my own street. Do I deserve the ticket that I get? absolutely i deserve any ticket that i get because i'm not only violating the letter of the law i'm violating the spirit of the law we have a lot of kids that live in my neighborhood so obviously by violating the letter of the law i'm violating the safety the potential safety of the kids that live on my street and i have been pulled over like twice on my street because it's 25 miles an hour, and it is very hard to go 25 down my street. Now, the reasons for such a view is that any other view would seem strange in light of verse 19. So what does verse 19 say? Whosoever, therefore, shall break one of these least commandments and teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever shall observe and teach them the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus had just warned against any alteration of the commandments of the law. These are strict rules, laws that are in place. We are not to alter them. They are to be followed exactly. The first view, the uh, contrasting the old with the new, comparing the law of Moses with the law of Christ, has Jesus doing the very thing he had just warned against. So by contrasting Mosaic law with the law of Christ, he's literally changing the law. And he can't do that. Okay? Because he's just told us that we need to follow the law as it's written until the law has been fulfilled. So what's the fulfillment of the law? The atonement in Gethsemane the crucifixion, and the resurrection. So if Jesus was referring to what Moses had commanded in the law, more likely different words had been used because Jesus always said exactly what he meant to say. There was no equivocation. There's no room for interpretation. Jesus spoke very directly and correctly. He said, he meant what he said, and he said what he meant. At other times, Jesus was when def, when Jesus was definitely referring to what the law actually said. He would say things like, "Moses commanded; it is written." And instead, we find Jesus repeatedly using phrases more likely to refer to oral teachings, the traditions, traditional interpretations that had been passed down through the generations. That had re, that rather than the revealed written word of God. So things like, you have heard that it was said. Furthermore, it has been said. Again, you have heard that it was said. You have heard that it was said. Over and over, you have heard this. You've, you've heard it said this. You've heard it said that. This is what, how people were interpreting the law as it was written. Instead of reading the law and doing what the law was saying to do, People were interpreting it, and this is what led to difficulties later on down the road with the turning over of the tables in the temple, the money changers, and so forth and so on. In the two contrasts, Jesus refers to statements not even found in the Law of Moses. Things like in Matthew 5.21, And whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. In Matthew 5.43, And hate your enemy. Jesus was reacting not to the law, but the way the law was often used. The law was often pulled out like a bat and people were beat over the head with it. And this was not how it was supposed to be. So we had become so legalistic in our view in the in the application of the law that we were totally missing the spirit of the law we were totally saying okay well this is what they this is what was meant well no it wasn't what was meant you do what it was written not what you think was meant because this law this law came from god to moses perfect for what was needed at that time and it was not open to interpretation by our Flawed human thinking. When Jesus came to fulfill the law and the prophets, he then is forcing us to say this law had become corrupt, it was broken because we had stopped looking. We had stopped looking within ourselves to correct the sin that was within us. And we were just distributing out our sacrifices to the priests and saying, I'm good to go. That's it. We, and then we assumed we were forgiven. But that was never the intention of the law of Moses. The law of Moses was meant for us to look within ourselves. When we submit that sacrifice to the priest, it was meant for us to look within ourselves and say, I did wrong and I need to correct myself. As it became, it was interpreted that I sinned, give a sacrifice, I'm okay. I don't have to do any self-reflection. And Jesus was here to say, it stops. You have to reflect on yourself. You have to reflect on where you were sinful, where you erred. So I'm going to fulfill this law and do away with it. So you now have to do internal reflection, contemplation and prayer to receive that redemption and that forgiveness. So you receive a path for atonement But you have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost when I go in order to help you reflect and correct, which is the goal. The goal is not to see how many sacrifices you can make or to say these beautiful prayers, but it is to reflect and correct. Reflect and correct on your behavior, your actions, your internal feelings, your internal actions, and your external actions. It's not about how much you give to the church, how much you do, how much sacrifice you have. It is about your personal relationship with the Lord and how you resolve your sin within yourself with God and with Jesus Christ. That is the goal. And the fulfillment of the law within Jesus Christ, by Jesus, is the fulfillment of... Of that, and that invitation for reflection and correction that you need to have in order to become a righteous citizen of the kingdom. It's not sitting on a church pew every Sunday, screaming your hallelujahs and your amens, it's your personal reflective relationship with your Savior that is what will allow you to reach the kingdom of God. Now, I've thrown a lot at you today and I think I'm going to end it right there. Uh, I do hope that you enjoyed this uh, talk on Jesus and the law. In Matthew chapter 5 verses 17 through 19. I invite you again to read the sections and reflect upon them and as always I enjoy hearing from you. Please email me at kimg.pastandpresentpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find me on twitter at, at podcast underscore past And on Facebook at Rebirth Network and Rebirth Encouraged, both with a purple heart between the words. I hope you will join me Thursday when we will be discussing the winter palaces at Jericho. And we hopped in the Wayback Machine on this article. It was from 1977. Uh, And until Thursday, uh, this is Kim Groves with the Past and Present Podcast, hoping that you stay blessed and unstressed and unbothered by the rest. God bless.